Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. My guest is Eddie O'Shea. He's a racer from Britain, and he has been selected with the Red Bill Rookies Cup, the British Talent Cup. He's all over the place. This kid's going places, man. You're going to love this, and you're going to see who his inspiration is before uh, the race starts. You're going to love this whole uh, interview. So enjoy my episode with Eddie O'Shea. You look like you've got this big fancy, fancy setup. Look at that. I'm fancy, Eddie. I'm fancy, baby. <laughs> Here we go. One, two, three. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. Happy 2024, man. It's my first one. First one at the gate. In, isn't that right, White? First one at the gate in 2024. And I couldn't wait to get this guy on. I had a buddy of mine saying, you got to get Eddie O'Shea on. I said, I'm going to get Eddie O'Shea on. I was, was going to ask you how your Christmas was, but it went wonderful. You had a pre-Christmas present in that you signed with Vision Track, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, I managed to sign for the... Michael Laverty Academy, which is um, which is now sort of merged with my old team, which was the British talent team. So, yeah, it was a great early Christmas present, I suppose. Yeah. And now you're going to be with Josh Watley and Scott Ogden. Yeah, yeah. So they race in the in the Motor Three World Championship for for Michael. And uh, well, unfortunately, I'm not old enough. I'd like to think I could have made a uh, you know made a got a seat in the in the Motor Three team if I was of age, but. I've just turned 17, so I've got to wait another another year until I can be in the World Championship. But yeah, I'll be in the same team as them, just in the in the European Championship instead of the World Championships. Look at you, man! Big boy is moving up, brother. I'm happy <laughs> for you, man. How was your holidays? What did you Thank do for you. holidays? What did you do? Um, uh, yeah, uh, Christmas Day, I spent a bit of time with the family, and then Boxing Day, I drove down to really down south in the UK, Bournemouth, and I live in the Midlands. It was a Big drive, but I just passed my driving test like a, a week before. So, um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I, I did a big drive and went to go see my girlfriend on Boxing Day. Look at you, you got a girlfriend. Is she, now, she lives down south. Well, uh, she got a lot. Of, she's got a lot of family down south. She lives in the Midlands near me, but um, but yeah, she lives down south. Well, so, her family lives down south. Well, didn't you get a new car? Didn't you get a new car? I did. I okay. did. My um, I was so in in the first few days, my I was driving my sister's car. My sister's got a an Audi A1. Um, she she just got it, um, but she she can't drive yet. So she's got this brand new car that she can't drive. So when I passed, I got insured on it for a few days. But I have a I have a, a terrible car. It's a 2007 Renault Kangoo, but it fits bikes perfectly in it. It's terrible. It's like the worst car in the world, but I love it. <laughs> well, you're supposed to when you're 17. You're supposed to have a you're supposed to have a beater, and that way it's gonna yeah, make your it's going to make you appreciate Absolutely. having a good car. Yeah, that's Absolutely. good. I'm happy for you, brother. Good for you, man. So <laughs> did you put on any weight during the holidays? Did you, did you eat too much? No, no, no. I've, I literally, I've stayed the same since the last race till now. I've not gained, like, more, I've not gained a kilo, not lost a kilo. I've been the same. Good for you, man. Are you ready? Are you, <laughs> are you excited for the season? I am. I am. I'm, I'm very excited to, to get underway. And I, I think it should be a, it should be a great season um, going forward. You know, it's my fourth season in the European Championship. So I'm hoping to, to fight for the championship, uh, especially with Michael's team. You know, it's a world championship team and they've got I'm on the, the ex world championship bikes. So I don't see why I shouldn't be fighting for the championship and then hopefully move up to the Moto3 world championship when I'm 18. Well, you know, Eddie, I know your birthday's in September. It means you're a Libra. And so one of the one of the the uh your strong points as a Libra is supposed to be fascinating and intelligent. So are you fascinating and intelligent? Um I'd like to I'd like to, to <laughs> think I'm uh, um, you know, <laughs> either one of the two. You know, I'll I'll take one. They both sound very, um, uh, very, you know, a, a compliment really. So uh, I'll take it. I'm not sure if um it's it's true, but uh, we'll go with it. We'll definitely go with it. Intelligence sounds iffy, but <laughs> what, what do you think your strong point is? As uh, off the bike, just a regular person. What do you think your strong point is as, as a person? Um, well, to be fair, I think if if you come across any uh, motorcycle racers, they come across we're all quite young, but we're all quite mature for our age. Um, I don't know. It, not not mature is in like sensible because no one no motorcycle uh, motorcycle race is sensible but I don't know I've always managed to get along with adults and even when I was a kid and leading up to even now when you know I can't believe I'm an adult in September so it's crazy to think but but yeah um yeah so probably pro probably mature and yeah uh, that's about it 
Now, you, one of your weaknesses as a Libra is supposed to be you're highly indecisive. Would you say that? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that definitely rings a bell. Um, what are you indecisive always, about? Everything. Literally everything. Everything that you could possibly think of. It's from... I just ordered loads of cycling gear because um, when I was in Spain, I was training with a guy called Harrison Desoy, who is a, a, a British... Uh, a guy that rides in Britain. Yeah. And um, he... Uh, he looked full factory, you know, he had the coolest cycling gear. And I was like, I've got to get me some of that. So I'm going to Spain tomorrow um, to go on a cycling trip. And I ordered loads of cycling gear and I could not choose what color to get. And they ended up just getting a bunch of every different color. <laughs> That's great, man. I love to hear. That's just straight being a kid, man. I love that. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Me and you, me and you are alike in the sense of I think we're the only ones that enjoy Valencia. I love yeah. Valencia. Yeah, yeah, I, I like Valencia. Um, I, I managed to do the test. I managed to do the. Um... <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, what was that? that? Was, uh, my, my Apple Watch, my Siri was going off. <laughs> yeah, uh, Valencia is. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I've always I've always enjoyed it. It was my first track that I ever ridden abroad in 2019 with the British Talent Cup as a test. And then my last time there, I went to the World Championship test with Michael Laverty because both Josh uh, Josh Watley and Scott Ogden were injured. So uh, they brought me in as a, a replacement rider, and I managed to finish out the top 15. And yeah, it, it went well. It went amazingly, to be fair. I thought that was great. I was in I was in Valencia when that happened. Actually, I mean, I, it was hard to believe that both riders went out. I love them both. I'm not gonna lie. Josh Watley scares the shit out of me. I don't know why. He always looks at me like like I owe him money, and he's just like he frightens me. Of all the of all the riders in the paddock, it goes probably when Ian Noni was there and Josh Watley. Josh Watley just has a look like I don't want to fuck with that guy. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm 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 quite close to Josh. I've always I've always I always have been quite close to Josh. Yeah. Even when we were a kid, he always used to, you know, pick every little thing and he's always been the most brutal little kid. You couldn't you couldn't have done anything right to him. He was always this brutal little guy. But yeah, we're, we're similar ages. So I grew up racing with him. Uh, he was always a bit faster than me. Um, but yeah, he, he is. Once you, once you get to know him, he's like the most sound, sweet, sweet kid. But yeah, whatever, man. Every time I see him, I think this kid. This kid wants to whoop my ass. Every time I see yeah. him, he just has a frown on his face. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's something I do to him or what. No, but he's no, always no. like it's uh it's it's quite common that people think that he's got this like resting face of like angry. But it's, when it's you a, talk to him, you like you're like you can have a laugh with him, and yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah, it's a resting bitch face. It's just around me. I think I think it's something I do to him. I guess I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So yeah. So man, then. Like now, do you pinch? Do you pinch yourself now to like where you're at now, considering where you started, and especially after the injury? I mean, do you really look at yourself like, "Wow, I'm I'm making the strides, I'm making those moves"? Yeah, d definitely. Um, I, you know, after my injury, I had 11 months without without a race. So, the, my before the injury, my last race was June 2022, and then I went into April. No. Yeah, around 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 the June time again. Um, that was my next race in 2023, and going wow. into going into the first race, uh, it, the plan was to just finish the race, you know, just yeah. to to get through and hopefully have no pain. And it was it was crazy. I finished ninth. I qualified fifteenth, and I finished ninth. Um, wow. But that it was like ninth should not have been a good result for my third year. But I I came in. I did after the checker flag. I just cried instantly as soon as I seen the checker flag and. I came into the pits and everyone was clapping, like all my team was clapping and I was crying and it was, it, it was amazing. It was like, it was a very, it wasn't a great race to finish ninth, but it was such a reward, reward, rewarding race, you know, to, to be back, be back racing. And I've always, I've always dreaded going out on an injury, but it actually came very, very close. And uh, so, yeah, I suppose 2023 was, it was already a write-off because I missed the first two rounds, but um but I, I just had to enjoy it and try and get a get myself get myself a, a job for the next year, and I, I managed to secure you know a few good few good finishes, two fourths, um, and then yeah, managed to sign with Michael for next year, which is a you know a massive massive deal.
Man, you know what? I, I, I remember hearing about the injury and I was like, this kid's going through it. But I didn't know exactly how it happened, what it happened. I, you know, I would hear, you know, Matt talk about it and like, you know, the injury. And I was like, man, this poor kid. So what exactly happened and where did it happen? So it's not, it's not, um, it's known that it's, it's known that I did it on a mountain bike. Um, I got, I had a mountain bike crash and, um, basically the handlebar went into my groin and crushed 3.5 centimeters of my femoral artery. Oh. So I basically had no blood flow in, in my left leg. And it was like, it was a bit like cramp, but like way worse than cramp. It's the closest pain I can think of. Like, you, have you ever woke up in the middle of the night with just like the most intense, like calf cramp or something? Yes. It was like that, but like always. And it was so painful. Um, and then, but basically I was, I was just messing around in, uh, in England. I was at Brands Hatch at a BSB round, going to watch all my friends and my sister's boyfriend racing British Superbikes. So I, I just went to go and, um, go and, you know, watch, watch some racing. And one of my closest mates, I was riding off and one of my mates chased me and kicked the back wheel uh, of the mountain bike. And then it like high side. And then I like, landed on the handlebar and yeah, crushed, oh. crushed a lot of my artery. Oh, and so, and, and did after that, you had complication after complication, right? Yeah. I ended up having five surgeries in total in 10 months and it was all under the NHS. So I didn't have to pay for anything like the NHS is, it was incredible. I went into the, to the doctors and well, to the hospital in England and I was like, you need to sort me out. And they did. I had my boss, um, Alberto Prige, who is, um, you know, Repsol Honda team manager. Yeah. He was, he, yeah, he was, um, messaging me and calling me asking if I wanted to fly out to, to America to go and get treatment out there. But I got very good treatment in the UK. Having having 10, uh, been in 10 months, having five surgeries with the NHS is like unheard of. Um, what's the, what's the NHS? What's the NHS? The NHS is the national health healthcare system in England. So basically we don't, because in America, you have to pay for every everything that happens in in the yeah, hospital now. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you ain't got to remind us. Yeah, we know. We yeah, know. We, and we, we, we don't have insurance. We don't have, like, uh, health insurance. We just go into the hospital and we don't have to pay anything. We just say what we have a problem with. and But we pay a lot of tax. I don't really know. We pay a lot of tax <laughs> and it goes, a bit goes to the NHS. That's all I know. And, yeah, so I went into the hospital, not not private healthcare, so I didn't have to pay for anything. I said, I've got this. And usually it's like, well, you have to wait three years on this waiting list. And then, but they originally, they weren't that, they weren't that concerned. But then um, once, once people start to understand that, you know, I raced for Red Bull, I raced for, for Dorna, um, like it, it was a big deal that, you know, this, this, this is my job basically. And it, I need to be fixed. So there was this one doctor who used to be a, a private healthcare doctor. Um, he found my number on the, on the system or something. I don't really know. Yeah. And then he sent me a message after my first like uh, ultrasound, they put an ultrasound on my artery to see what the problem was. And he messaged me saying, we've, we've got to get you sorted. Come in and see me tomorrow. So I went in and seen him. And he was like, we've got to get you sorted. And it was like, it, it's unheard of. No one has ever crushed their femoral artery. It's like, it was, they had to open a case study for me in case it happened to anyone else. Um, and basically after the, I've, basically, I've got a massive scar on my right calf here. From, uh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> can, can you see it? I can't. Oh, okay. A little bit. Yes. Oh my yeah. God. Damn, you're um, Frankenstein. That's from they took a vein from from my right calf and they put it in my left groin. So they took my biggest vein they could find and they took out the um no sorry, they they uh they took the vein of what like the good part of the artery and then the crushed part here. They basically put um my vein and attached it to this artery here and like put a tube basically into the lower part of the artery. That didn't work. And then, because it was too small, and then they ended up in the fifth, fifth and final surgery. They ended up putting a cow pulmonary vein uh, in replacement of my artery. So yeah. So you got a it's, cow. Uh, you got a part of a cow in you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in in memory, I got a uh, I got a tattoo. <laughs> I got a cow. I got a cow tattoo. <laughs>
<laughs> do you feel like a cow sometimes? Do you feel yeah, like a cow? I, I wake up sometimes mooing and then I wake myself up just like a moo. <laughs> no, you, <laughs> no, you <laughs> don't. So if ever you go slow, it's the, it's the cow. It's the cow in yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I just weigh too much or <laughs> I don't really know. You know, I saw that on your social media. It was you and uh, Dominica, and and you and you were comparing tattoos. And I was wondering what that cow was, but oh, that's yeah. a, that's a great story, bro. Well, it, it's a it's a dual meaning tattoo. It's it's partly for my granddad and partly because um, because I'm part cow. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I think that's hilarious. That's fun. But I mean, but when it was happening, it had to be nerve wracking when it was oh. actually happening. It was terrible. It was, I used to like, I used to, I go to the gym six days a week, uh, yeah. whether it's cycling or, or CrossFit or, or whatever. I used to, I didn't go to the gym that whole time. Like that, like the 11 months, I probably, I probably did seven months straight without going to the gym just because it, I was scared, not scared to go to the gym, but basically when I walked, it didn't hurt. But every time I did a little bit of exercise, it would uh, just have this like, agony in my leg and it would just be like a constant reminder of like of how much like pain I was in and how yeah. I actually could stop racing and did, um did, did it affect I mean did, did but the thought of you not racing did that scare you yeah when it, when oh, it, it, was, it was terrible it was but the thing is my last race before the injury I got a podium so I think that saved me. Because if I didn't have that podium, then I might have not got a, I might not got signed for 2023. Yeah. And then it would have been, I probably would have ended up back in Britain, you know, having to pay for my rides and try and work my way back up the ladder again. But yeah, it was terrifying. Um, like, because I had five surgeries, after every single one, I had to learn to walk again. So I'd, I'd like learn to walk. I'd go to the gym one time to, to cycle to see how, you know, my leg was feeling. And then... It was if it was still feeling bad, I'd cry for another three months until my next surgery, and then I'd learn to walk again, and then so yeah, wow. it was it was terrible. When you get getting that close to almost having to give up on the dream, that I mean, how many restless nights did you have? I mean, did you have, did you think like it could be over? Yeah, I was. I thought it was over. Like I actually thought I don't. I don't because even the doctors, I have a, a voice note, and it's it's never been played on on any sort of anywhere really but it's, it's a top doctor of the nhs and he's basically saying this kid is 99 percent knackered like finished there's no way he returns to elite sport ever again and what i my i got sent to my dad and my dad my dad never showed me until i was fixed and then it was like it was crazy but i'm happy he didn't show me but i always i always kept quite positive you know i always yeah. thought there was some hope and then that last surgery was like i couldn't believe it i woke up from the surgery and they had my dad and my doctor and everyone around me. And they were just saying, how does, how does your leg feel? And I was like, it feels incredibly warm. And like, it felt like, do you know when, uh, like if, if you squeeze your arm, then your hand gets like really like pumped. It felt yeah. like that. It felt like there was so much blood in my foot and it felt like really hot. And I said, it, it feels incredible. And then the doctors, the doctors were like, yeah, the, your pulse feels incredible. And I was like, I, I, walked the next day just because i was so excited to usually it took me you know four days to start walking again without crutches or or uh, a zimmer frame yeah. and i learned to walk two days later just because i wanted to get back in the gym to start cycling to see if i could i could you know do exercise again on my leg and it was like the best day of my life by far that was the best day of my life when i did that cycle and oh, man. it was fine Man, there's nothing scarier than almost having to give up on the dream. You know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. mean, so so now, I mean, it's amazing. Now you've done a 180 now, and things are so much better for you in life. Like leading up to that point, when you first started, when you first started, I think what you were like three or whatever. Like, what was the goal then? When you were just a kid, like and get your first motorcycle, you just what it what? What was your first goal? I mean, as a kid, you just wanted, you didn't want to be, you weren't thinking about being MotoGP world champion. You were just thinking about beating the kid that was in front of you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you were just, all you cared about was being the best kid because yeah. you all, as a kid, everyone was mates and, you know, I was mates with the fastest and the fastest was mates with the slowest. So all you wanted to do was just be the fastest <laughs> out of the kids. And then 
once you're the fastest at the kids, you want to be the fastest teenager. Then when you're the fastest teenager, you want to go to rubber rookies. And then when you're in the rubber rookies, you want to be MotoGP world champion. So yeah, it's just it's just a ladder, really. When did you realize you were you had a little bit of something different or something special? Like when did it when did it dawn on you? You go, you know what? I think I got something a little bit more than these guys, just na maybe naturally or just like or maybe goal setting or just your determination. When did you realize you were different? So in twenty nine, no, in twenty eighteen, I was in the in Cool Fab Racing, which is like a you know the grassroots of England mm -hmm. uh, on a metric at fifty. And I finished third in the championship. And then in the August of 2018, I went to the British Talent Cup selection event. And that was run by Dorna at the time. And, um, you know, that it was the best, it's the best UK riders, the top 20 UK riders from 12 to 24, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to the selection event. I actually went to the selection event to get a feel of the bike. So that the, the next year in the selection event, I would have more chance of getting selected to go to the to the British Talent Cup, and I got there. And I in my in my first session, I was one of the fastest. I was like top three in the selection event, and I was this twelve year old kid. I weighed twenty nine kilo, um, which is like insanely light, and I couldn't put it. I had to fill out the application, but it didn't let me put twenty nine kilo because it said um, put your put your weight in kilo uh, put your weight in kilo. They thought it was too light. So then I had to put 35 kilo and then tell them I wasn't really 35 kilo. Anyway, so I was this tiny little 12 year old, 11. I was 11 at the time. Tiny little 11 year old kid riding these CBR 250s with the best kids in the best uh, kids in England. Well, in the UK. And yeah, I got through to the, the final round. And then because it was like a process of elimination and I just mm -hmm. kept riding and I was really fast. And then Alberto Preach came up to me and he was like, uh, so how how many years have you been riding big bikes? I said, this is my first day on a, on a big bike. And he was like, oh, no way. And then we went to, and then I finally got selected. And then I went to the test in Valencia and I did, and I went seventh in my first session. And he came up to me and he was like, so how many days have you done on this bike? And I was like, this is my first day on this bike too. He was like, there's no way. And yeah. he, he, he couldn't, he couldn't actually believe it was my, uh, my, my first day on them bikes. And I ended up finishing that test ninth. But then I had no weight on the bike. And then in the first round, they put loads of weight on the bike. So it equaled out. Um, but then I just kept crashing because they put they put 12 kilo of lead in the front of the bike. Okay. So every time I braked, the front just tucked every time just because it was so it was so difficult to ride. Yeah. And then, yeah, so probably the selection event of British Talent Cup was where I realized maybe I could make it as a, as a professional. Having Alberto Pooge come to, I mean, that, that just blow your mind. I mean, yeah, it, it, it was crazy because, you know, I've watched this guy my whole life. I was only 11. So the only 11 years I've been living, I've been watching this guy on telly <laughs> as Mark Marquez's <laughs> team manager. Yeah. And it was, it was incredible. Man, that's, and that's another guy. I think people take him the wrong way. I don't think he, he comes off brash, but I think he's a little bit better person than people give him credit for. Yeah, he's he's an amazing, amazing, amazing coach. Like, I've been cycling and flat track and motocross with him. And when he cycles, he puts his bike in, like, the lowest gear and just, like, spins his legs so fast. And he just goes. He's like this, like... And then, because well, he dropped me for dust. It was my first year in, um, in Rebel Rookies. And he dropped me for dust and he was like, what are you doing? You need to train harder. He was like... He's like David Goggins of like <laughs> of like motorsport. He's incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. He comes off. He comes across as a, a very, you know, a negative person, but he's yeah. not. He just he just wants the best for for everything he does. Yeah, you know, I heard him. Uh, I think I think it was Matt that interviewed him, whatever. And I heard him, and I go, man, this guy's different than he comes off. He comes off brash. If you don't know him, you think this guy's kind of an asshole. But I've never talked to him. But I always say I think he's a little bit different than people give him credit for. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Definitely, he's, he's he's an amazing guy. So, like, okay, now, so for you, do you think you're gonna do you want to be, or do you think you're gonna be the next wave of maybe getting the Brits back? I mean, because now you got Jake there. Jake Dixon's doing well in Moto Two. He, I'm, he's got to be up for the championship next year, probably, or this year coming up. 
And you got Rory. Oh, well, Rory did get dropped, but, you know, we got Rory up there. And so do you want to be part of the next wave of, of new British talent coming up? Yeah, I, I don't see why not. Um, you know, the, the plan is to to win Junior GP this year, or if not, you know, come, you know, come up top five would be would be would be good um and yeah hopefully make the step with michael laverty in the uh, in the world championship in motor three and prove myself there and hopefully get myself a motor two seat um you know i, I don't see i don't see it going wrong you know i feel like if if you actually if you actually believe you can just just do it just go through the route then like i've always believed i could be in rebel rookies it's like it it Whatever I believe, it just happens. So, you know, it, I'm I'm looking forward to to proving myself this year and hopefully fighting at the front a lot more, and then yeah, make the step in the world championship. So, I I believe I am, uh, you know, one of the. It's, at the minute, it's me and Casey O'Gorman, you know, in in Junior yes. GP. So yeah. I feel like we're the next wave. But then my sister's boyfriend is also is uh, Max Cook. Do you know Max Cook is a British uh, Cook. Rider? Yeah, I yeah. know. I know of Max Cook. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's he's incredible. I think he's one of the best riders. You know, he was fighting with Pedro Acosta in Junior GP, and then yeah, he, and then he got dropped from 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 Junior GP, and then he went back to to BSP. So I feel like if he can if he can make the step to Moto Two or Moto GP, if you know, or World Superbike, then I feel like he's you know me, Casey, Max. You know, I feel like we've got a lot a lot of good a lot of good talent coming through. Now, what did you finish in Red Bull Rookies Cup? What place did you finish? So I'm in rookies. I missed the first three rounds this year. Right. And I think I finished like 22nd. I, I don't really know. Yeah. But in, um, in Red Bull Rookies, I had... So I did the, I did the Portimao test in the start of 2023. Mm -hmm. And that's when my leg was still bad. That was, my, that, was my fourth, that was my fourth operation when I went there. And it was still bad. And I remember, I probably shouldn't be openly saying this, but... Before a session, I took nine paracetamol because my leg was in so much pain. And I said, and I just, I said, Dad, ride the paracetamol. And I just had like the rest of the sachet that was left just because I, I was in so much pain. I wanted to, to go through with it. And I, I was doing well. Um, I think I was in third uh, in the test. And then, and then I had this crash and it was a bit of a weird crash. Um, someone like hit, like tagged me, and then we both sort of went down, and then the bikes like tumbled in the gravel. It was like no hard feelings, but we both got up and went back to the pits, and then we went back out. Oh no, I didn't get back out. Sorry, because I, I had a hole. I put a hole in my arm here, so I I took the the next session off, and then went back the next day. And the bike didn't feel great. And then for the rest of the season, I've been complaining about this this chatter. Like the front's been like shaking so bad. I'll have to send you a video. I've got a video of just the bike just like actually just shaking yeah and we spent uh, the whole season trying to figure out what it was and then in the last race i had that much chatter the chain kept like jumping off the the sprocket mm -hmm. like it was shaking the bike that hard the chain kept jumping off so i said i'm not riding that bike let me ride the spare bike um so they finally let me ride the spare bike and then i went from 18th or something on the grid and then i was i was in eighth fighting at the front again and then the clutch snapped. So I had literally no luck this year. And then they ended up finding out that the the swing arm, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the swing arm, like the the metal that connects the the rear wheel arm, uh, was bent. So that's on them. That's their fault. They yeah, should have found that out. It, it is. It is. But also, my dad was the helper mechanic. I was the rider. You know, we it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't their fault. Um, I can't put the blame on them. You know, it's just one of them things that happens. You can't blame dad, but dad, it was your fault. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, dad, it was your fault. <laughs> you didn't inspect the bike better, daddy. <laughs> your dad kept you from a championship. Yeah, you should have fired it. your dad. You should have fired your dad. <laughs> well, but you know, I'm, I'm missing the first three rounds anyway. It was yeah. like there was no chance that I'd even fight for the championship. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my last year and no hard feelings. Who was the one that impressed you the most where you went, holy shit, this guy's got talent? Um, you'd be wrong to not say Angel Pagaras, you know? That he, dude, he, he I mean, to me, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm watching from a different point of view than you are, but I'm watching like, this kid's a fucking animal. Yeah. I mean, I, I, was, won, I was really impressed by him. He won nine of 14 races, didn't he? Which is like, it's the most ever wins in a season in Rebel Rookies. Yeah, he beat up Costa's record. 
Yeah, Costa was eight. Yeah. Yeah. This kid. But, I mean, so so you started up close in person. So what was it like? It was just, he was just so perfect. Like he he hits every apex perfectly. I don't I don't get it how he does everything so actually perfect, and his overtakes are so clean. And but to be fair, if the person I expected Angel to win the championship, but I didn't expect him to win it in such you know dominance. But the person who surprised me most was uh, Alvaro Carpe. He came into this came into this season as like a no one had even heard of him. He didn't score a point in 2022 in um, Juni GP. He got selected for Rubber Rookies and then came into the first race and started fighting straight at the front and finished second in the championship. So I'm I'm quite close to to Carpe and I, we're, we're good friends. So but yeah, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how fast he was. What was your, and I asked Sean Dillon Kelly this, and I always love his answer. What was your biggest, and it could have been Red Bull rookies, could be whatever, but what's your biggest oh shit moment where you're like either somebody passed you or you almost had the biggest crash of your life or just what's your biggest oh, like, oh shit, I am definitely with the big boys now? Uh, I went from British Talent Cup fight, and I know I didn't win a race in British Talent Cup. Okay, I actually crossed the line first one time, but I didn't actually win it because it got red flagged and went back a lap. Yeah. So, I went from being like second, third place in British Talent Cup to then racing with Danny Holgado, David Alonso, David Munoz, uh, Ortola, you know, you name anyone that's in the top of the, you know, the title fight for Murder 3. I've, I raced with them in 2021. Colin Vaya. You know, it was all, I went in and these, these guys were just insane. Like, I, I, I did the test, and I got overtaken by Diogo Moreira in, in Porto Mayo, and he was sideways. Like, he went in and dreamt, boom. It was, it was, he was a rookie, too, in, um, in Rebel Rookies. It was mine yeah. in his first year. Yeah. And he went in and dreamt, boom, literally bolt sideways. And I was like, oh, my God, if this is what I've got to compete with. But you you learn fast, you know. When you're chucked in the deep end, you have to learn, really, don't you? So, so it was Diego Moreira in Portimao doing it sideways. You're like, oh, yeah, this, this is yeah what I it was do. like this isn't going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what? Uh, you know, I hear about the red mist and everything. You know, you seem like a nice guy, but you know, once the helmet comes on, everybody's different. So, what's your biggest red mist moment? Now, is it when uh, when uh, RB Artitama uh, wipes you out in the, in the, in, the, in the gravel? <laughs> oh my god! I was just thinking it. I was just trying to think about something, but that is exactly it. Yeah. And what did you say to him? It. What did you say to him in the gravel trap when he did? Well, there's, it? A, there's actually a very funny story behind behind that. Obviously, you guys don't see what goes on in the changing rooms of Rebel Rookies, but yeah, we were having this massive group conversation, literally as we were all getting changed to go out in that race, and we were all saying who's the most dangerous rider. And there was a few people saying Luca Lanetta. There was a few Filippo Fariolis. Um, there was a few Holgados, uh, and then I said, Oh, Arby out of Tahama. And Arby turned around to me and said, what? what? What do you mean, me? Surely it's Lynette or all. And I said, No, 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 it, it, it's you 100%. It's you. I said, Filippo and um, Luca, they're both aggressive but not dangerous. The question was, Who's the most dangerous? You're the most dangerous. And he over I led so in that race, Rueda cleared off, he was gone. And yeah. it was basically a dogfight for second. And I was second the majority of that race. Literally just led the group, led the group, led the group. And I felt so good in that race. Um, and I was just second, second. And then one time, Arby made a bit of a dirty overtake on me. And I was like, I can't believe this guy is here. I was like, out of everyone that's here in this group, I can't believe it's Arby Adetama. <laughs> and... Yeah, so then I went, we went into the last lap and I knew someone was going to overtake me on the inside and it was Lynetta. So Lynetta's done a bit of a dirty overtake on me and I've sat up and then I've just gone, boom. I've gone flying. I've had a bike hit me in the face and I've gone rolling through the gravel trap and I went, if that is RB, I'm going to lose it. Like that's what I'm thinking in my head. And I've not even stopped rolling. I've got up and I've looked up and I've seen this yellow helmet. And at first <laughs> I thought it was Filippo and I started walking over to Filippo and then the mist sort of died down, like the dust died down. And I seen his little Indonesian flag on his arm. And I was like, I can't believe it. And I went up to him and I, and I was like, I effing told you so. You're, you're so dangerous. You shouldn't be allowed on the bike. But the thing is, we're roommates because he's my teammate in Junior GP. We're, yeah. we're, we're roommates. Like, <laughs> we share the same hotel room. 
and on HJC helmets, they close and then they lock. Yeah. So I went up to him, unlocked his helmet, and then tried to open his visor, but I didn't. I went up to him, locked his visor because he didn't lock his visor. So I went up to him, grabbed him by his helmet, locked it, started like shaking his head. So on camera, it looks like I'm like just shaking his head. But then I finally opened his visor and I grabbed him by his helmet. And I'm like, I told you, I effing told you so. And we, we, we made up very shortly after, but I just couldn't believe it because I told him that you told him before the race. Rider, you and then he cleaned me out. But yeah. You told yeah. him before the race, you're the most dangerous. That yeah. to me is incredible because I've been there. I was in the in the in the Red Bull rookies tent uh in Valencia last year. Not this year, but last year. And I see how you guys get down, and it amazes me how you guys are so cool with each other. And then race start, it's like a, a free-for-all. You got it's like a street yeah. fight, and yeah, then it's over. And it's like, okay, yeah. we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, everyone's so close friends now. Like, everyone, I don't think there's anyone that actually, like, there's, like, enemies. Everyone actually likes each other, and we go out, we have fun. They're only slow bikes, so we just we just have fun. We overtake each other. We hit each other. We crash into each other. At the end of the day, I, I, it doesn't really matter, so that... I I love that, man. I, I really do. I, that to me is, it, that's, I think that's almost a metaphor of what the world should be like. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, everybody's cool, but then it's time to get down and you do what you got to do. And then it's like, it's over. Like, okay, boom, we're friends. Let's go yeah. out and, and do whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah I, I agree. It's, it's an amazing experience to be part of, 100%. So is that, is, was that your biggest red mist moment? Oh, definitely. I was, because I was second, like the whole race. And every time someone overtook me, I overtook them the next corner. I was like, I was on it. I felt perfect that whole race. And then I got taken out. So, Now, is, is there a strategy in Red Bull? Because watching Red Bull Rookies Cup and watching Moto3, I'm like, is there a strategy or you just get in where you fit in and try to stay in the top three or four? Yeah, you just try and stay at the front of the group. Try not to get overtaken. I mean, the number one rule is overtake or be overtaken. You know, so... Every time you go into a corner, you either got to try and make an overtake, and if it's not successful, at least you've gone on the inside to block off the person behind you. So the last lap is crazy. You've, if you've not got the obvious outright pace to be to to go, then it's always scary. The chances of being taken out are so high, and I don't know how there's not last lap crashes every single race, but yeah. I think it's I think it's the greatest race. I mean, of course, you know, MotoGP is MotoGP, and we love watching it. It's great. Don't get me wrong. But, man, when you want some excitement, there's nothing better to watch than Moto3. And you guys don't get the credit you deserve because Red Bull Rookies Cup should – I think Red Bull Rookies Cup should race the same day before Moto3. I think it should go Red Bull Rookies Cup, then Moto3, then Moto2, then MotoGP. Yeah. Because you guys put a damn good show on, man. Yeah. It, it's definitely – like, I'll always forever – I'll watch Rebel Rookies just because it's amazing racing. But uh, it's the same with Formula One. I've, I watched the Formula Two race uh, a couple of months ago, and Formula Two is way better than Formula One. There's, like, there's so yeah. many more overtakes. There's like mistakes in the pit lane. It's so much more entertaining to watch. But obviously, MotoGP and Formula One have the, the prestige. When's the last time you've been scared, like actually scared riding? Like where you were like, oh, shit. I am... Um, uh, in late November, I went to uh, to Jerez. Ah, so I did the, the Moto3 World Championship test in Valencia. Mm -hmm. And then the next, so I finished that at around 5 p.m. And then I got in a van and drove down to Jerez. And like Valencia is like here in Spain and Jerez down here. It was like an eight hour drive and we slept through the night. And I, I slept in the van and I woke up and then I went to Jerez. And I got straight on a CBR 1000. I'd never rode. I did six laps on a 600 in 2021. And then I got on a, a Fireblade, uh, a CBR 1000. And I couldn't believe it. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't actually believe people ride these bikes. And, like, MotoGP, MotoGP is, like, two of them combined. I couldn't believe how fast it was. Was it the power? Was it the, was the stopping? Because I heard the stopping is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the first time I was like, Jesus, was harassed. Do you know, do you know that corner where it's turn three where Marquez had that big crash and broke his arm? Yes, yes. And then after that is turn four, the next fast left. 
an onomatopoeia three, you go in and you go on the limiter, you go and then roll off a little bit of rear brake and then straight back on full throttle. Well, I went in on the fire blade, went oh, and braked, and then like went in and then went and then opened it up. And as I've opened it up, the rear's just gone like, like just sl- like sliding. I had full traction control on, but the rear was like sliding and it, the blade was screaming. And I just couldn't believe how fast I went from like 30 to like 100. It was mental. I actually couldn't believe it. And then I went down the, the straight, full throttle. But down the straight's fine. Because once you're tucked in, you feel like yeah. you feel fine. Yeah. And then I braked about 100 metres before what I do on a motor three. Mm-hmm. And I braked. And, and as I've sat up, the wind hit my face. And it felt like my helmet went from like here <laughs> to like hitting my nose. And I could feel my suit here like hitting me. And it was like, I couldn't see straight. I was trying to, I was trying so hard to focus on turn six. And I was going in like, and then the bike just stopped. Like, I couldn't believe how fast it stopped. In the end of the, the test, I ended up braking like 30 meters before what I do on my motor three. Like, I couldn't believe how, how strong the brake was. But I finally ended up getting used to the, my helmet coming back, like not being able to see. But on motor three, when you ride in, if you look at the corner, you can just track, you can just like throw the bike there because they're so light. You just like, yeah. they're so nimble. And I've gone into turn one at Harath and I've looked at the corner and the bike's just gone. <laughs> I'm trying to turn. You're doing the, the Cam Newton. You're doing the yeah. Cam Newton. <laughs> I'm trying to like, I'm You're just like that, that on the other side of the bike, trying to pull it down. It was so funny. Um, but yeah, anyone that says motorcycle racing isn't a sport. Or like you don't have to be fit. Jesus, I couldn't believe how much hassle it was to rag round a, a fireblade for twenty minutes. It was did, like, it give, did it give you inspiration though to 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 move up? I mean, did it give you more like a like a like the carrot dangling in front of you? Like that's yeah, my inspiration. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Well, when I fly out to Spain tomorrow, um, I'm gonna go to a. I've got this sponsor who has a house. Uh, in Malaga, and I'm going to unpack, and then drive straight to Jerez to do more th- more training on the thousand again. So I'm oh, hoping my body is still used to it and not just like reset its clocks. And when I get back on it, I, I- I'll be amazed again. But yeah, I am looking forward to it. Man, good for you, man. Sounds like that. Sounds like life is hitting you great, man. I mean that, dude. I'm ha- I'm happy for you, brother. I mean Thank that, you. man. Especially for all you went through, and yeah. now it's like you're on the other side. I always say, if you just you just ride that storm out, man, just hold on. Like you know that bad, the bad eventually will. You know you just gotta be like, okay, okay, yeah. you gotta weather that storm and weather it, and then and look where you yeah. are now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, well. I, I actually believe, like, I, I actually believe it, but it's not it's not something I grew up, like, being taught to believe, but I actually believe everything happens for a reason. Like, everything everything in my life that's been bad has turned out to be to be good. Like... Yes. Literally, literally everything. Um, and, like, my injury. How can that possibly be a good thing? That was a bad thing. But now, I'm... I got... Like I got a lot of, I got a lot of mo- uh, a lot of motivation to like I actually want to be a professional motorcycle racer because in that time I also got a job working for the NHS and I was cleaning dirty hospital beds uh, and it was it was like it was like ten pound an hour and I had to wake up at five thirty no five get on my my moped my scooter go like a 50 minute journey in the freeze. I've got a video of me, like my coat is frozen. My hands are like blue. And I went every day to go and clean these dirty hospital beds. And then I just quit. I quit that job because I was so like down about not being able to race. And then also thinking that I actually might be cleaning hospital beds for the rest of my life. So I just quit and I focused on, you know, getting myself better. And I have now got like so much motivation and I actually do want to be a motorcycle, motorcycle racer and you know I train as hard as I can all the time now just to make sure that I don't regret anything in the future that I didn't try hard enough dude that's what I'm talking about and that's and having the the clairvoyance to see that you know like people think oh what was me but if you look at okay how has this helped me be better you know what I mean how did you come to that realization in life like I mean just through trial and error like what made you how did you 
get to that point where you're at now where you go any people that stuff happens bad eventually becomes good well my nan my nan my grandma she always told me uh, as a kid anything that went bad i don't know whether she told me it just to try and cheer me up but she always used to say well i'd remember everything happens for a reason and then everything that was bad i'd just have in my head if it if i'd have in my head that it was bad i think it's okay because it will come good and then because I grew up with it as a kid, it's, it's hard to leave something that you grew up with as, as a kid, you know? So every, everything that's happened that's gone bad, I've just thought, well, something good will come of it. Now, oh, I love that, man. Because it's all about the mental and everything, actually. It's all about the mental. Granted, you need the physical, especially what you do, but it's the mental that gets you through, Yeah, you know? I mean, definitely. I've always believed that I can, you know be fighting at the front in the junior world championship. I've always believed I could be a rebel rookie. I've always believed I'll get to minimum Moto 3. And whether whether I don't make it to Moto GP or even if I come back to BSB, I still genuinely believe I can be a professional motorcycle racer. But but it but it, it is Moto it is the Moto GP path though that you really oh, want yeah, to do. Definitely. I I don't want to say I believe I can get there because that's like it's uh you know it's like a, a kid saying they want to be a professional footballer. It's like oh <laughs> Well, you know, you got to put it out there, though, man. If you put it out there, sometimes I know everybody tries to be, you know, be humble, but sometimes you got to put it out there and you never know. You put it, you throw it out to, I'm a firm believer, you throw it out to the universe. The universe hears everything. I'm a firm believer. The universe hears everything. And then it's up to you to do the work to put it in. But then you get there. Maybe the the path is diverted, but you come back, but you eventually get there. But you got to throw it out there. So there's nothing nothing wrong with saying that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like who, that a lot. Who do you think is the best British rider that is not in BSB or MotoGP Ooh. or or World Superbike? The best bit, the best British rider that's not in GP, BSB, or WSBK. Me. You? You know what's funny? I was gonna. I wrote that down, mm-hmm. and, I, and I thought this is kind of a cocky thing to answer. That's why I reworded it. But I wanted you to say um, that. I'm trying to think of another British rider that doesn't race. Well, it's me and Casey. But okay. I'm not. I'm not saying Casey's better than me. <laughs> no way. I, I wrote that down this way. I wanted you what, to say that. What, what, what other championships is there? Well, I'm trying to. Well, that, but that, that, that's why I threw it out there. Because, I mean, like I said, it, it's going to be the lower divisions. I mean, yeah. no offense, but, you know, yeah. it's going to be the younger guys coming up. And I wanted to go, I wonder if he'll say that he's the best British rider. When you, that's not when you say MotoGP, does that include Moto2 and Moto3? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, then. Then, yeah. Yeah. Me. Yeah, the whole path to Moto2. Yeah, so so those guys don't count. It had to be basically where you're at. So I wanted to see what you'd say. Yeah, well, I wanted to yeah me or Casey. And I'm, I'm not saying Casey. Casey's, <laughs> Casey's not better than me. <laughs> I hope he sees this. I hope he me, sees this. Yeah, I really do. Me, me and Casey are very, very, very close. <laughs> I, you know, I love all the British writers. All the British writers are so nice to me, and they come on here, and we have a great time. I, I mean that. You guys always treat me so good when I'm over there. Like, I see Scott, and I, I think I asked Scott to be on kind of, not really, but kind and so I'm like, I'm kind of wanting him to come on, but I don't know if he wants to. I don't want to, you know, bug him about it. And I actually would like to have Josh on here just to say, all right, are you mad at me, motherfucker? Or, or are, we, are we friends or whatever? You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know, if, I don't know if he'd do it. I think you'd have to pay him. <laughs> I, I think I think you'd only do it if, if you paid him. I, he's like the most, like, just neutral guy. He's like, oh, yeah. do I have to? <laughs> Okay, so tell me, the race day preparation, okay? You're on the grid, race going to start. How do you get ready mentally? What Do you listen to music or, or do you want to be left alone? But are you jokey? Because you, some people, everybody gets down different. How do you do it you're on your race day preparation? From the moment you get up to the moment you get on the grid, how do you prepare yourself mentally? When I wake up, I don't, I don't, do, I don't do anything different to what, to what I'd normally do. I'm very... Every mo- every motorbike rider is uh, very superstitious. If you find a motorbike rider that hasn't got a superstition, like mine is put a left put uh, put my right boot on before my left boot and my right glove and then my left glove. It's it's right boot left boot right glove left left glove. But every every racer has one. Like some people will have earplugs. Like if if me if I have do well in a race, I'll keep the same earplugs, which is kind of disgusting. But like Max, <laughs> uh, if if he does well in a race. He'll change yeah. his earplugs because his the ones he was using that the look has ran out. Yeah. So 
everyone has like a superstitions and like one of them is if I don't have a shower in the morning, I'll crash. So I have to wake up, have a shower. I don't learn anything different. Talk to my teammates, talk to my team, go for a bit of data. And then as it's getting to like an hour before the race, you start to, you know, put your, put your undersuit on, put your suit on. You start to like, you know, get a bit more serious. And then when you're in the box, I listen to music when I'm in the box. What do you listen to? What do you listen to? I listen to a lot of 50 Cent. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what song is that 50? What song is well, that 50? My favourite song uh, by 50 before a race is, it's, it's, called, you, it's called You Not Like Me. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's my go-to song before a race. He talks about, uh, one of his lyrics is, um, um, got shot in the jaw, didn't wait for docs to get it out, hit my wisdom tooth and spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's what it's one of his most like aggressive songs, and it I don't know, it gets me just like, because Fifty Cent, all of his songs are like gangster. Yeah, I don't listen to like best friends, but it's all like it's more like many men and like you're not like me and stuff like that. <laughs> or how, how about if I can't do it, homie? It can be done. <laughs> do do no, you listen to that I, one? No, I only I listen to. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's an English rapper called Nines. He's very, um, very aggressive. It's him and Fifty Cent. And but yeah, I listen to music. When I listen to music, then I put my helmet on, and then I, I can find. I can talk to anyone when my visor's up. But when my visor's like, I do the same routine every time I get up. I wait for. I wait for all my teammates to get up. I don't know. I do it. So I have three teammates, and I have one next to me, and two of that are in front of me. Yeah. And I wait for every every single one of them to get up and start walking to their bike before I walk to my bike because I, don't, I feel like it's an early mind game to show them that, like, I'm chill. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I, I, I've always done it. I don't know. It's just like, oh, go on, boys. And then I get up and slowly walk over to my bike and then they're all doing, like, their stretching. But I, I, I do my stretching in the truck and then I, I close my visor like that, like, with both my fists like a gorilla. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then lock it like that. So I like slam it down, lock it, and then slowly get my bike, wait for all my teammates to go, and then I go. So it's, um, but then once the visor's down, it's like, I don't care if you're my teammate or what. It's, it's, I like, lock in, you have to lock in. <laughs> Eddie, I love it, brother. I love it. I love it. Man, listen, we, we are up against it. We got to get ready to go, but God yeah. damn, Eddie, what a great talk you were. I knew you would be, though. <laughs> if Matt Dunn gives it the, the AOK, I know you're good people. Man. Oh, yeah. I uh, mean, Matt, that. oh, that mon. <laughs> yeah. me, and, me and Matt were like, we were like chalk and cheese and uh <laughs> in, I, I love to do it. He's the one that told me, he go, you gotta get Eddie O'Shea. I said, okay, I'll get Eddie O'Shea. So he told me to call you Odie. Ed is it Odie O'Shea. Yeah. <laughs> no, I call him Dat Mun. So it's like the first two letters switched, and he calls me Odie Ishe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Odie Ishe. Man, it has been a pleasure, Eddie. I look forward to seeing you this year, brother. Hopefully. I don't know if I'm gonna do. Um, I don't know if I'm coming to uh, to Silverstone or whatever, but I'm definitely gonna watch you race this year. Hopefully, up close in person, man. Yeah, yeah. It was a great chat, brother. I appreciate you, man. Thank you, thank you. Well, I intend. There's no there's no talk to it or anything. But when I'm 18, I would really like to do the Valencia wildcard. So I'm gonna push to do that in Moto Three. So if you can get there, then I'll. Uh, well, I'm hoping if it happens, news will be announced then. Valencia, I'm there, Eddie. I'm following you on Instagram, bro. I am there. Yeah, hey, you made a big mistake. I'm your best friend now. I'm almost stalking you. I'm almost stalking you, brother. Thank you. So, so good luck with everything, man. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Have a great 2024. Kick ass, brother. Thank you you got much. a second chance. I mean that. And more 50 cent for you, okay? <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks for watching. Tells with Jim and I with my great guest, Eddie O'Shea. I'm BT. You know how we say it about this time. You know the word. Pay.